Let me guess. Fate of the Undead, right? Hello, and welcome to Idle Talk. Uh, I'm Grace. I'm Cole. And uh, we're here to kind of chill out and talk about media, um, as we always do on this podcast that's only existed for like a week. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Ooh, um, sorry. Go ahead. I guess to just start things off, we should probably shout out that itch bundle that people should yeah. go put their money towards. Right. I mean, I think it's... Um, and it, made, so, it made its money. It made its money, but hey, no, the thing is... But more money is always good. Yeah, exactly. It's been wild seeing how quickly... So basically, uh, we're talking about the bundle for racial justice and equality, which is uh, itch.io. Just be on the main page of, you know, itch.io. Go to your web browser. And uh, it's like a bazillion games um and all of it's going to uh hold on the nc oh naacp legal defensational fund and the community bail fund um which i think is uh you know pretty relevant these days um yeah and i think yeah i don't know this is just it's a minimum of five dollars which is good i know also there's been a few folks like uh caitlin from uppercut for example who have offered to like you know get people access to the bundle and pay for it um for them and so you might be able to find like an alternate means if five bucks is like too much for you um Mm -hmm. which is like totally you know totally a real thing that happens yeah (laughs) so yeah and it's cool there's like tabletop stuff a bunch of like i think kind of new indie gaming classics and i don't mean that in a derisive way (laughs) uh like night in the woods is on here which i is a game i generally quite like um yeah so a short hike's on there too which is uh, a pretty good yeah um i've heard really good things about a mortician's tale i've been meaning to get to it for a while Mm -hmm. um and you know there's like there's a lancer which is like a tabletop rpg we don't need to like sell this to you and maybe you've already heard about it but hopefully like if you about this and like just give you a little push to talk about it to to buy it uh, or even just signal boost it i think like something that's been really encouraging i think about the past um few weeks with um you know protests and um kicking up country it's encouraging to see how much momentum there has been um both in like a financial sense and in like a people on the ground um doing stuff since like there was there were like a thousand people at town uh at like a vigil um and that's like my town is super white (laughs) <laughs> you know and i don't mean to like it's it's just if there's something going on here that's really powerful yeah. and so um yeah no it, atlanta's been yeah just we've had some big marches and even yesterday still the moment momentum's not stopping like the march i was in yesterday was like yeah. easy like probably like a thousand people as we took over the belt line which is if you know atlanta then you know the belt line is a heavily gentrified white sort of strip of a uh, sidewalk that's flanked right, on either side yeah. by bad microbreweries and like tapas places. So, and so a lot of out of, out of towners and like other County folk will show up there who are usually white and have uh, money. So, yeah. And then there's been like a bunch of small marches too. Like I got groceries, I got groceries on Friday and I passed the, like in my neighborhood, just like 10, what looked like families just marching, yeah. which is, I went with my it's, partner. It's everywhere, which is good. Yeah, it is good. I went with my partner to pick up uh, some, like some, pet food, um, the other day, and there was just a mm-hmm. guy, 
on the, you know, like on the side of the road, like on the sidewalk, like a busker, except he was holding up a Black Lives Matter sign, <laughs> you know, and just just a one man, <laughs> you know, yeah. which is, I think, really cool. The fact that, like, I don't know, it it's hard to say, like, how things will turn out, um, obviously, but I feel like, anyway, we want to do our part even on this podcast, which is obviously, like, um, you know, we, we want to be silly and goof off here, and that's, like, part of what we want to do. Um, but also we want to help keep the momentum going and help people like, you know, I've also, yeah, I guess we could talk a little bit about this. I've been reading the end of policing the, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Russo book, which, yeah, the ebook, which I think is, which is still free. Um, and it's really good. It's stuff that I kind of knew, you know, from people talking about it, but it's very well researched, fully, um, put together. And so I actually feel like it'd be a good, per- something for someone to read if someone is confused about why police are bad. Mm-hmm. and it's like it's very readable like it's something yeah you could give to your parents and maybe i mean my my parents wouldn't read it but <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> my parents might i don't know if i could the thing is it's like i don't want to feel like i'm giving people homework you know <laughs> uh yeah especially since my dad is a professor feels like kind of not the mm-hmm. vibe um but you know, but people, yeah, I think it's good. People should read it. People should read stuff that's um, out there. Yeah, I don't know if we need to, like, if you follow us on Twitter and are sort of in some of the um, crit circles that we're in, you've seen a lot yeah. of stuff already. Um, but we did want to spend some time on it because it's really important. And we're, you know, two white folks and want to try and do this if we can to boost voices. Yeah, and just like, I guess one last thing on the topic is just because you're seeing less of it on your timeline doesn't mean, like, things are getting better. Like, there's still a lot of yeah. momentum we got to keep up and it's going to go on for probably a long time as it should. Yeah. I think it's, it's been cool actually in some ways, because even though the timeline, I feel like has slowed down a little bit. Um, although that might also be because I'm not on Twitter as much. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but also like a lot, you know, when people, whenever somebody posts a video for protest, it's like so many people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we just talked about this already, but like, I, you know, um, Twitter's not the be all end all. And I think there's a lot of different ways to like build and, create that stuff so it's good definitely good uh so cole what have you been up since we last talked since we last talked i have Two. been playing only really one game is which is uh, mafia 3 i've been so it's like my fourth playthrough of it I've, it's been going like off and on for the past few months in this playthrough i started it with the goal of finally playing through all the dlc and all the dlc is very much dlc and the fact that it's not very it's like fine um it doesn't really add much to the game there's some cool character moments for lincoln um um so is it like is dlc like on the side of the game so it's like stuff that stacks onto it or is it like post game uh it's in the open world but you can sort of access it um whenever okay gotcha yeah and it's just like it's three just different sort of micro stories one is where you're going with uh your your fbi or cia buddy who's with you most of the game it's something with like nukes and an island and I hmm. saw some unnamed South American coup situation. Very much a Cuban Missile Crisis sort of right. Um, okay, yeah. Facsimile, and then there's Faster Baby, which is sort of that game's take on um, sort of like grindhouse cinema of the era, which is it's like you're racing a car in a racist town. There's a like evil sheriff 
well, I mean, all cops are evil, but there's a really, really evil sheriff <laughs> in this small town, and yeah. Lincoln falls for this uh, girl, and that's that one's fun because the I, like, I actually like the drive in that game. It's like it's very loose, but it definitely gets that um, that drifting around a corner in like a '60s movie with like just the wheels just screeching, yeah, in a very good way. Huh. And then the last one. Um, I forget what it's called, but in, you work with the priest who's in the game a lot, and is one of the, the oh, better right, characters. Yeah. Um, it's about a cult. It's like about like a cult. It's very true detective-y, like low country swamp, weird. Okay, yeah, I mean, this human is pretty campy, stuff. which is, which I guess is like I don't know if that's outside the vibe of Mafia Three. Uh, I'd say it's pretty outside the vibe because that story. There are moments of um, sort of levity, but that game's narrative is pretty. Uh, intense and i don't really like the term yeah, uncompromising well, th- but it definitely makes you confront things especially playing it as a white person yeah i'm uh i mean i've sort of been interested in those kinds of tonal shifts so i've been playing yakuza mm-hmm. a little bit um and that's a game that like somehow never really feels um tosinant, even though it you know like you're just kind of goof around the world and it's very silly and you know you do a side quest and it's like oh i gotta help this dominatrix yeah. like learn how to be a dominatrix yeah. and whatever um and then you go to a mission and it's like then becomes like very serious yeah. right um and i think that's sort of a dynamic that's in open worlds and also makes sense to divert some of those ideas to dlc mm-hmm. right because then it's a, it feels a little more inherently outside. Yeah, and the yeah. DLC from Mafia 3 is cool because each DLC pack has the story, but then it introduces a new sort of mechanic into the game. And like for the racing one, it introduces, I think, some probably some races or something. I haven't really looked. But my, my favorite is with the cult one, it introduces this sort of mini game where you can... So at the start of Mafia 3, it's a revenge tale, and Lincoln plays um, family. Uh, is like his chosen family is part of the black like the black mafia and they get crossed and killed by white people and the bar they owned is burned down and so there's it adds this mini game of you rebuilding the bar and getting it back up and getting patronage back in and it's sort of like the um it's not like the uh sort of business mechanics in a lot of the older like in the Ezio assassin's creed game right yeah and it's it's really cool and there's like even little like micro stories in it like i talked to this bartender who was working and he talked about how someone stole his car so i went and got his car for him like it's just little stuff like that yeah that sounds really cool i i mean um i always appreciate little stuff that grounds your position in the world and especially like tying that to um like the plot in a central way like mm-hmm. lincoln also trying to rebuild something that was precious to him as well as like killing those who were responsible for yeah no it's very it's know, very good him losing it. i think that's really poignant stuff and I don't know. you know in, yeah. in theory i do really like <laughs> the games the open world in that game i know that was a lot of people's gripes with it if it's being very repetitive but i see that as kind of the point like it's about yeah. fundamentally disma- like dismantling this southern white mafia and you're doing you're taking pretty much these boroughs of the city back and it just involves like you go you cause the ruckus and then a lieutenant shows up and you just brutally murder him and then move on to the next one but in a way, it kind of shows like the cycle of violence is repetitive, just in nature. It's not going to fundamentally change because you're going from one zip code yeah. to the other. Right. I think that's. I mean, the thing is, it's interesting how, um, what games people complain about that mm-hmm. kind of stuff with. Because I feel like I didn't. 
I don't know. This might just be because I wasn't super tuned in, but I didn't feel like I didn't hear people talk about that with like Assassin's Creed 2 or uh, Brotherhood, even though that's like still very much true yeah. about those games, right? Like they're not, um, they're very, they're yeah. deeply repetitive. Um, and that's not, a, like I'm, that's not necessarily a criticism uh, of them, but um, but it's just interesting what that kind of mm-hmm. stuff gets levied against. Um you know, especially when, like, in Mafia 3, it sounds like it's a little bit more intentional or um, maybe also part of it was I remember that game was pretty busted at launch. Yeah, it, it, even, like, even on consoles, like, I play on Xbox One S, it's still, um, the lighting is just, like, fundamentally, like, doesn't work in a lot of ways. But what happens with the lighting is something I actually really like, where it sort of, like, yeah, well, you... glitches out and, and turns it puts everything on this, like, nuclear orange haze, which I think is... Yeah. Like, very appealing visually. But also, just, I know a lot of people didn't like the combat in the game either. And that's one of those stances that I don't really understand because it's one of the few video games that really makes the play, like the character you're inhabiting like feel like they have weight. Like, Lincoln is, like, six-something. But he's, like, he's big. And just right. like, the combat is very, 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 just, like, blunt and is heavy. Especially the hand-to-hand stuff. Yeah. It's a very, it's, like, it's a very, know. very violent game <laughs> like it's like uncomfortable sometimes even like some of the takedowns yeah but it just like feels very very good to like point blank someone with a shotgun and that person is probably the terrible like racist anyway or they usually are because they're <laughs> they're a little in-game their in-game yeah. banter towards lincoln is very um very gross well i think it's it's refreshing to see um, well, I mean, I guess I don't know how narratively it turns out, but I, something I heard about that game is like, yeah, it's it's nice to just like kill a racist, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, no, like the the revenge narrative in that game is very much. There are parts where it like point it like paints it as like this wasn't good, but when you're in the moment, no one's telling you not to inflict violence upon these people. It's yeah. just it's just the right mm-hmm. thing to do. Which I I mean, think is I mean I, it, it's but, interesting like how much um like even uncharted which is like famously sort of cavalier about how many people nick Lynch's, um is like <laughs> very yeah. tries to be self-aware you know like both two and three have these moments where the villains are like you're just like me nathan drake <laughs> you know um mm-hmm. and and the thing is that part of what makes that weird in uncharted is that it's uh it does that in a way that's also unaware of like what is actually the problem with Uncharted's violence, <laughs> um, you know, yeah. which is like often who it is directed against and who it is done by, not just like the killing itself, right? Um, but, um, but I think that's something. And I think that's something that like for people find refreshing about Wolfenstein too, um, which is that like I think a lot of video games that are that are like somewhat concerned with how violence is being done tend to be pretty like weirdly mm-hmm. navel gazy about it or not to understand like the real dynamics of violence um and even though like yeah. i have plenty of issues with wolfenstein i think that's something that it largely avoids um you know the the violence in that game is is completely necessary um and like directed in a specific way and is like towards mm-hmm. building something else um yeah mafia is very much of that same yeah from that same cloth and just based off playing Wolfenstein 2, um, Mafia 3 handles its depiction and use of violence, both like thematically and just like 
control wise it just it's yeah just, I I, it's weird because i remember liking the new order as a shooter a lot um mm-hmm. and i did not like the new colossus and i don't know if that's just weird Same. brain or if it was different like i don't know um yeah but something about the way the new colossus feels is not great um the one exception and oh, i guess go ahead. Just, sorry i'm oh, sorry i just the I'll just say the one. I guess the last yeah. thing for Mafia Three. Like I don't have a bunch to say on it. Like I've written about it. Better people than me have written very good things about it. But the the use of the radio in that game is very good too. Like the soundtrack is great, and the radio ads are great, and lots of uh, voice. Like there's a um, sort of uh, Black Panther who will take over certain radio calls sometimes. In the in the radio themselves, there's these news broadcasts that tell their own stories, and one of them is about. I think it's Korean War veteran. It shoots two black men in his lawn. And one of the recurring sort of radio bits is like the trial and everything that goes with that. And it's, um, you can expect yeah. how it turns out. But that's, um, it's that's very really interesting. And there's a, and like, and like the racist um, radio station is the country station. And it's and like, when you, when you tune to it, it'll play like a Johnny Cash song or some shit. And then when it cuts to like ad breaker to the DJ talking, it has a little like, um line and because the, the station is literally called native sun oh god so. <laughs> um yeah why well, I, I think that's something that's kind of cool i mean like even i've never really gotten into a grand theft auto game um mm-hmm. and i've only really played like the ps2 ones uh, to be clear yeah um but something i think is cool about this game is how much texture is created by just the radio and being on you know oh absolutely like being tuned in and so i think like there's a lot of work that you could do that with period piece stuff, and it sounds like um, off your throat, yeah. like, taps and It's very much in the like once upon a time in Hollywood mode of treating a radio as like it was. I mean, for lack of a better uh, comparison, it was people's Twitter in a way back then. Yeah, well, there was um, I was so I was listening to Bluff City, which is uh, the Friends of the Table sort of um, real world quote-unquote <laughs> um you know in a like fictional atlantic city basically um mm-hmm. and they're talking about like this radio host who they had someone who called in like every time their radio host was on this was like in the real world and they're sort of drawing from it right in the in the role play um and just like you had those kind of relationships with like a dj host and that's kind of similar to how like twitter or like twitch shakes out now yeah um, you know um except that stuff is spread out i guess more because it's not like a local community person it's not someone doing like sports radio about the local sports team right it's someone doing playing valorant or whatever mm-hmm. yeah um but uh yeah no mafia 3 very worth playing i think for my money it's probably one of my favorite games from this generation that game like means yeah. a lot to me i really need to get around to it yeah i would really, love to know what ago. you think about it yeah i i'm curious too because sometimes like open world stuff like this can can rub me the wrong way Mm -hmm. um but i don't know but it is um it's open world is something that i really like because it's there's not a lot of disconnect like the open world itself is so concerned with the core narrative like there's not really there are side Mm -hmm. missions but like they're few and far between and that world exists for the sake of its story and just for grounding the player in like that era and that experience of being a black man and what it's like a family of new orleans in the late 60 like yeah. i think 68 is when it takes place because he because he's a vietnam veteran so um, and yeah it, 
yeah um, that, that game's narrative is just like genuinely good and it, it but there's a post credit scene i won't spoil it but like it definitely goes some places like far-reaching yeah. <laughs> places about the, the kennedy assassination and if they're setting up for oh, a mafia wild. four that takes place in the same world then there's some interesting okay weird yeah. avenues they could go down I wonder if they're sort of setting up Mafia yeah. Four now. And then they're like, the, there's like, the, there's like the Burroughs stuff where after you, after you take back a district, you give it to one of your three lieutenants, and right. there's sort of a uh, like those lieutenants have back and forth, and like if you don't give one of those lieutenants land time and time again, they will turn against you, and you'll eventually have to kill them. Oh, like there's okay, some good internal cool. politicking within your own mob that you're sort of building up. That's yeah, very that cool. Stuff sounds cool. Because yeah, t- like, yeah. I don't know. It's, and it's like ties in the mafia too in a cool way. Like Vito is one of the oh yeah um, captains in that game, right? Um, which yeah, this is this would be like my first experience with the mafia game. Yeah, I played two. Two, I played two back, um, in, back in the day. I remember liking a lot. I, I, I really doubt it holds up now, though. Thematically, yeah. Uh, a lot of bad humor. Yeah, probably in that not. Game. Who knows? Pretty sure. I'm pretty yeah. sure one of the. I'm pretty sure one of the first missions where you get a gun is going into a black neighborhood in Empire City and stealing a car and killing people along the way. Oh, God. If I remember correctly, I might not. Yikes. So. Yeah. To it. But I'm really excited to play Mafia 1, the remaster, because I yeah. played Mafia on the original Xbox, but I was so young. But what I do remember is you had to fill your gas, and like the, the game, the clutch was manual, and oh. you had to like follow... Um, the speed limit like that i feel like i'm just excited to see what the remaster or the remake i yeah. guess is like because that game that's cool because i um, um i remember hearing about mad max the idea of having to fuel your car and i was like oh that sounds <laughs> you know you like and rarely had to do, do anything with it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it blows um i mean mad max is i like that game generally me too i like that i think i like the game more than most people's like as well yeah i think what i get, what i look for in open world games is um not what a lot of people look for yeah well i think that that game is really good at mood and tone yes um and i, I don't think it's really good at anything else mm. um god damn I, I like the combat yeah it's all right i don't Just, know but the core story is terrible and, and what it has to say about bodies is even worse yeah it's so it's it's very frustrating to me that they don't seem to know um so so for those who have not played mad max uh you're playing mad max uh he's Tom mad Hardy himself he's mad because his family's dead and he's trying to get out into the wastes or whatever um and it's weird because this was sort of supposed to come out in conjunction with fury road like mm-hmm. once upon a time um and so there's a bunch of rest to stuff in fury road but it's but it yeah. didn't end up being connected to it actually. And the Max so. is like sort of an amalgamation of the Tom Hardy and um, what's his Mel name? Gibson. Yeah, that dude's. Yeah. Uh, um, Max. yeah, it's a weird. Yeah, it's just like a weird thing. Um, and it actually feels especially. But uh, you you basically your car gets wrecked by the local uh, evil. Scrotus Ga- Maximus gangsters. or whatever his name is. Scrotus Maximus. God, it sucks so bad. <laughs> and uh you get you get like this repair guy chum bucket who's um this like, it's like a zealot kind of yeah he's a zealot he like has this belief in making like a beautiful car that will like deliver he really worships the v8 more than most people 
Yeah. Um, like in a, in a very literal way. Right. Um, and he's also like a hunchback and, Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of, but also like, yeah, it's weird because there's this element where he's like a wizard with the car. Right. And so there's this kind of, um, there's this fetishization of disability, but there's also like the game plays him for laughs. Um, Literally like every chance. It's some like really. And what happens to him at the end is very. Uh, yeah it is bad i was actually mad (laughs) like it was weird because i generally like i was like oh i'm like just have been tuning into that game and i was like oh maybe i'll beat it actually and then i beat it and i was like actually this sucks (laughs) (laughs) this is terrible um which i don't you know necessarily think is true but you don't need to beat that game is is what i would say you can definitely put in your 20 Um, hours and get the good feel for it and just stop yeah um but but the thing is he's actually really Mm -hmm. charming um and the voice act- and there's like this, this these parts where he he rides on the back yeah of the some car of those incidental the dialogue like describing the landscapes and what you're sort of seeing as you drive is is like very good yeah and so like you know i, I don't even remember what he says but it's like this very, it's like the kind of thing you could make a really cool twitter bot yeah. out of <laughs> right they're just like talking about like the wastes and like you know and he uses all these weird proper nouns that like nobody else in the game mm-hmm. really uses um, and it's just very, ev- and that's sort of the thing is I don't feel like the game knows how much he does for making that world feel real and yeah. lived in. Um, and, and it just, yeah, it's just, it's not the way it handles him. is very, very bad. Um, and I wish it was actually like a lot of stuff about him and sort of around him. In yeah. The like, um, there's a, there's a great moment where you're driving, like you're driving him. There's birds above. He'll say the dark ones are above the buzzards have seen us. Not just how we describe as birds, but it's like it's very prophetic. Yeah, sort of mm-hmm. like sort of you can. It's just like very good. Yeah, we're like you know, I, I like. I mean, it's very. It's almost like Moby Dick. Like there is yonder yeah. wreck or like whatever, right? Or like, um, uh, but but then he just goes I, down with the ship, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that, that that game becomes like a very sort of like weirdly moralizing yeah. revenge tale that I think is um just I mean it's very cruel but it's also just like completely and it's it's so weird it's so weird thinking about this being in conjunction to Fury Road. Yeah, like, I feel like that, that game like <laughs> just does not understand George Miller's Mad Max. At yeah. All. Like those movies right. are violent. The, but, like, I have not... the violence isn't the spectacle. Yeah, when it's very Especially like, bodily um, violence. there's something, so I have not seen the first three, oh, wow. um, I need to get around to them sometime, um, but Fury Road, there's an element of like, like even, I mean, we were sort of talking earlier about how like violence becomes restorative or it's like a new birth for like <laughs> these characters, right? In a way that's both like the, the way the, um, the villains like fetishize violence and like live for it, live to die, right? as contrasted to the heroes trying to like build a new for each other um really pointed yeah right and um i'm not saying it doesn't handle that stuff like perfectly necessarily but i think it's like very you know deliberate and interested in how stuff plays out whereas like at the most generously you could read mad max is the game as being like revenge is pretty bad i guess (laughs) maybe you should help people out instead of yeah or whatever (laughs) um yeah but it says like i it sounds like i'm really down on it but i'm actually not like that game is really 
and also like the sound design is incredible yeah. like the way and I, I love the uh, i don't remember Day what Night the car is well. called but the way that like the the sounds the car makes when you start mm-hmm. it up is like one of the like my favorite video game yeah, sounds definitely um it's really good yeah but yeah I, I guess uh, as far as i guess yeah that's all i got on mafia 3 and mad max as well um yeah well i guess i can um i've been playing hollow knight <laughs> speaking of uh open worlds um which i've been really really enjoying um it's really clicked with me in a way that like um i don't think a game has since like Anodyne, oh, wow. maybe um where it's like i just want to do everything mm-hmm. in it um which is like pretty rare for me um like i can't i can't go and beat the game like right now but i want to do a bunch of other stuff first um and yeah it's interesting because i don't know um the way the, the game draws a lot very explicitly from like dark souls or um uh metroid most especially um it's not really i would say it's not like a symphony of the night because there's not a ton of like direct rpg yeah. stuff um it's a lot more like discrete movement unlocks and like um you, you do get like better so maybe swords it's kind of like ori in that way i guess yeah i'd say yeah i'd say it's closer to ori than to like um you know uh what was that uh, time spinner is the only castlevania one i can think of right now which is not <laughs> many people know about <laughs> um, but uh you know symphony of the night i guess or i'm forgetting what the name of that uh that same that like cr- the creator oh, uh, uh, thing and it was kickstarted yes yeah um because bloodstain has a lot of like fiddly yeah that came as some stuff. like minutia um, yeah, which this just really does not, right? It's very direct. It is a lot about, like, you know, a lot of enemies. It's like, okay, this enemy takes mm-hmm. five hits or takes two hits, and so I have to, like, you know, there's a lot of, like, very simple, stark stakes that get eliminated by it, which I, I don't know. It's really cool, and the way I think it gets so, um, compared to those games so much, makes sense to me because it is very explicitly drawing from them and trying to do stuff with them. Like, it's all about ruined kingdoms and, like, um continuing legacies of like long dead kings and stuff like it's all dark souls shit yeah um but the character you play is so light and like movable um and small that it just feels so different like i mean in dark souls you can do different things right but like you are you can be like a hulking mass right like a big person who like takes hits Mm -hmm. and can like shelve it back right Whereas, like, in Hollow Knight, there is no other way except to be, like, swift. Um, and to, like, memorize patterns. And yeah, you're, you're a little bug. Enemies and stuff. Um, yeah. Which is... I mean, this is the thing also, is it's very cute in a way <laughs> that, like, these games don't tend to be. Right? Um, like, all the characters make sort of, like... Yeah. It's not quite Animal yeah. Crossing, but it's, like, on the spectrum there. Um, and the music is... Like, little noises and stuff. And so fantastic. there's... But it's also, like yeah not scary i guess it's really like, great. it has moments of like oh you're in a bad place but it's not like yeah very like evil or something right no so there's a lot of i feel like um a lot of souls music um is very like mm-hmm. early 20th century classical music <laughs> um so it's like like some parts of Mahler or schoenberg there's like a lot of like atonal kind of influence there um yeah and you get some of that like the deep that's like that game's um which is 
Blight Town or whatever, right? Kind of. I <laughs> I both get that comparison and bristle at it. Um, because uh, Blight Town is so much about class. Um, it's about, like, a community that was completely ravaged mm-hmm. by, like, the above people, right? It's like this plague that destroyed all these folks. Um, whereas Deepness is just, like... It's like going oh, into geez. a den of lions, right? It's like there's just like a bunch of okay, so it's evil, it's more like, like the just, uh, like, huge bugs, the bug, um, right? The bug canyon scene in the Peter Jackson's King Kong, maybe. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> which I I haven't seen to be clear, but yes, I think that that sounds like a correct comparison. So I, I, there's a lot more of like um, there's a little more ecology in hollow knight it's a little more interested in like what is the relationship between um like quote-unquote civilized places and nature how does that stuff like one of my favorite things is that there's a you know the queen's garden is a big area in the Mm -hmm. game and it has a direct connection to the deep nest um and i feel like it makes this argument that like yeah you can't have one without the other you cannot have this curated garden without the like um sort of dark death area place right and like it's i don't think it sees that that as ugly or like terrible it just is you know and i feel like that makes a very different spatial argument than blight town does um Mm -hmm. even though they're similar in that they're very hostile spaces that you have trouble navigating and like have traps and stuff like that um so um yeah i mean i think it's just interesting how you're interacting with the world is like this and i think also something that's really cool is that um in Dark Souls, you're kind of one of many people. Um, and this is made like very explicit by sort of the multiplayer stuff, right? Where you're interacting mm-hmm. with other people who are also chosen undead, quote unquote. Um, but even the NPCs you encounter are kind of living the same way as you are, right? Everyone's sort of stuck in this like perpetual continuation of like um, violent imperial conflict, right? And everyone's sort of dealing with that maybe in sort of different directions, but it's all very like grounded in that and most yeah. of the people who don't do that are like imprisoned or killed right um and mm-hmm. th- th- this is i'm not criticizing dark souls i just think it's something that is happening in dark souls right um but hollow knight in contrast has a yeah. lot of people who are just living their lives yeah like, it seems like old that game's guy who's just like portrayal of like that. others in that world besides the enemies you know? is like a lot warmer like the uh like the fast travel big bug seems super like chill and good Yeah, I think I've, yeah. I think I've I really about like them. this stuff. There's Maybe a whole like side quest with them, kind of um, as you unlock them. Yeah, I think that, that might be right. Um, he's such a distinctive character yeah. to encounter him so much, and he also has like this big rumbly voice. Um, mm-hmm. Does Hollow Knight have any of those sort of uh, Souls-ish of, like, voices and characterizations where like there's that one character who you go up to and talk to, and they just they're like the blood is new but different like is there any like weird abstracted language <laughs> um yeah there well there there's uh oh there's this um this like bug you encounter in uh in like a mine and at first she's like <laughs> and stuff and then she kind of gets gradually like a little more unhinged as she's like um yeah you know i haven't actually gone cool, back though. to that area i should see what's up with her because i think uh because you find a bunch of bug enemies later in that area who are like driven mad by mining or whatever, um, and so I suspect that's what's 
Um, and that's sort of the thing is like it has a similar thing where Dark yeah. Souls, where it's like every quest ends in a sad way, in some way, right? But there's a lot more, I think, articulation of like um, what do people's lives look like after a horrible like apocalypse, right? Um, like, and this is something I, I really appreciate, especially now. I think um, I think we, especially I think white folks in, and you know, I'm including myself in this. I think it's an instinct I have um is to sort of uh apoc- you know like mm-hmm. um catastrophize about global warming and the state of the world right which i think comes from like a very real place um oh yeah but i also think a lot about like apocalypses have already happened for so many people right and those people are like still living and like continuing to exist um and i think i i want to try and like you know move away from like the sort of um like end of history apocalypse into mm-hmm. something more yeah um like step by step and holistic or you know, you know what i mean um and i think that hollow knight kind of gestures at that through a lot of its characterization um, <laughs> as also just sometimes it's funny <laughs> you know like it has like a a warm sense of humor there's like a another character who looks like you and he's like this grumpy <laughs> bug who constantly brags about how good a warrior he is but you're always like getting him out of scrapes and stuff there's like a you meet this giant dung beetle who you fight and is like oh that you know and he's like this adventurous like rambunctious friend right and um and so it's i don't know like I, there's a game is also yeah. very aware that like what you were doing is violent right you were going through all these places and just like killing things and trying to like explore it understands like how that is violent right um but also it is interested i think in exploring the margins of that world and yeah giving i should them, like, really give this game a shot it's on game pass it feels really um, just, impactful yeah just i'm not the souls experience yes, that just has yeah. never really clicked with me but i think i think i need to give hollow shot a fair shake yeah yeah for what it's for what it's worth i think yeah um, the souls comparisons uh like they're not wrong right <laughs> to be clear but I think um, the game, the way the game plays feels so different from Souls to me. It's so much freer and more exuberant in terms of, like, how you move. Um, so I think um, if you're mm-hmm. having a, if you, if people have had a tough time with Souls in the past, I think it, it feels different in a way that, like, I think, uh, you know, mm-hmm. differentiates I'm definitely it. down and for and a game you might that enjoy this and not has enjoy cute bugs. Right. Bugs can be cute. You, you have to respect bugs. Yeah, there are some scary bugs too, though. Just um, bugs can be scary as well. Yes. They have their bones on the outside, and I don't like that. Yeah, though there's some there's some really good horror shit a couple times in this game. Uh, and I don't is, there a, is there a centipede in it? Um, yes. Ugh, yeah, there's centipedes. Like there's like some freaky spiders. Um, oh, that's even worse. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're not there's nothing too bad, but there's like a couple. Yeah, I don't. Oh, I like want to tell this story about a part in the game, but like I don't think I should spoil it because people haven't played it, and it's very cool. Um, like, but a... yeah, the game gets scary in a couple parts that I think is really like fun. That's cool though. Yeah, yeah. it's like um the the spiders in Jedi Fallen Order were very gross too. Oh yeah, I hate how big their butts were. Yeah, man, spiders. I don't like them. I don't like them at all either. There's one spinning a web outside of my kitchen window right now yeah i uh it's peaceful but i just don't like it yeah i i like try not to kill spiders um yeah i'll I'll try and bring them outside yeah um but like it's like the common notion of you throw a shoot a spider and you go 
pick up the shoe and the spider's gone. It's like just this sort of sense of immense dread that yeah, kills you instantly. That's, that's what deep nest is, basically. It's like that feeling. <laughs> it's like, oh, there's a Great. spider somewhere around here. Um, yeah, it's it's good. I like a lot of the... Um, it's also wild. Like I So I, I mentioned Time Spinner earlier, which is also like mm-hmm. a Metroidvania indie game, um, which I actually quite enjoyed playing through. Like I had a good time with it. Um, yeah. And it's just wild to me, like how much more expansive and like thoughtful Hollow Knight feels in comparison to that. Even though that's a game I like liked a lot, mm-hmm. right? Like it's just like, even like politically, I think it's a lot more. Inter- Although there is still some, um, I think it actually largely avoids some of this stuff. There, there was like a Mantis tribe thing that I was uh. like nervous about, and that actually wrapped <laughs> up in a in a like better way than I expected. Um, mm-hmm. But. Uh, there was like a shaman character who's like was sketchy or whatever. And yeah, I, that feels bad, you know. Um, it's luckily in the game a ton, um, but it is there, and so I wanted to, you know, briefly talk about it. Um, yeah, but I think that game is—I don't know—it's really cool. I've been enjoying, and also it's just I—I I like grinding against soul stuff where it's like you know you're fighting a boss, and it's hard, and you just got to learn how to do it. You mm-hmm. know, like that's in some ways like when i'm stressed out or like feeling weird like that's what i want to be like this like where i can just my brain can be completely subsumed by like patterns and (laughs) dodging and like when i should hit and when i should heal and stuff like that Um, i think i'm very much of but not of that same mind yeah which i think is uh totally understandable right (laughs) and correct and sometimes i'm not like i sekiro was a game that kind of broke that for me where Sekiro actively stressed me out in a way that those games don't usually um yeah but the thing with the souls is like i always really want to like them yeah and then it just i'll just hit a point where it's like this still isn't for me Right. I really wish, um, actually, I think Cameron Kunzelman wrote a really good piece about this years and years ago about like, what does souls look like with difficulty sliders and stuff? Um, yeah. I love that. Cause those worlds are incredible. Yeah. That's sort of the thing is I think there's, um, there's an obsession with like kind of the pure experience, right. In even the way we talk about accessibility. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a mode where people can just go in that world and like read item descriptions and walk around in it would be like really interesting and cool in a different way than those games are interesting and cool. Yeah. Right. But that's also fine. It can be a different thing. Right. Um, I think that's something that like books understand better. Where it's <laughs> like, you know, getting like a, I mean, I don't know. People complain about spark notes being bad, but also it's like, that is a thing that you can use to like un- help you understand a book. Right. Mm-hmm. And for like read criticism about it or like, um, or if you're you know, reading a book for a class, you like talk to the teacher. It's like, I didn't understand this bit, yeah. right? Or I feel like there's sort of a stigma against all that to some degree in, uh, in video games, which is weird. And I think I think, um, I think, think books have a harder final boss than Dark Souls because if you read all the books <laughs> and you eventually have to read Infinite Jest, then that's just, no one wants to do that. No one wants to do that. I know people who want to do that, though. Um, Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I just really don't like that book. Too. Yeah, we used to have a copy of it, uh, but we gave it away, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, not out of any, like, spite or anything, just like, yeah. we're like, oh, I don't know if we're going to get around to this. Um, so, yeah. Well, um, I guess let's talk about a couple movies we watched. Uh, we'll talk about Tron. Oh, yeah. You just watched Tron 1, right? Not Legacy yes. as well? I just watched Tron 1. Yeah. Okay, cool. 
we can start we can start with that yeah uh the movie rules yeah tron's awesome <laughs> yeah um i guess the first thing that kind of struck me about it um was like it's such a weird looking movie in like the how abstract it is yes how much it looks like i, I can't even like it's almost like um like abstract expressionist in spots right or like sort of weird computer art stuff um and it just makes me mad about the way cgi is deployed in like every movie nowadays i think um go ahead i'm excited for you to watch tron legacy at some point yeah i i've seen it um and i didn't care for it at the time um but it's also been a few years and i taste have changed a lot so like who can say yeah um yeah my my friend on twitter logan kenny shout outs to logan uh it's like his favorite movie <laughs> legacy is uh what legacy or the original tron legacy um, okay yeah he quite likes the first one i think too. wow um, yeah but yeah he his review of it on letterboxd is actually very moving uh, i would suggest like just checking it out uh, i think mm-hmm. it's just logan kenny on letterboxd so shout outs shout outs to you logan your letterboxd review of tron legacy is very good and made me cry when i read it so <laughs> um so i was like okay maybe i should give this movie another shot um Although I think the premise kind of misunderstands what is going on in Tron. Because, um, like, that isn't... I mean, I don't know. It's kind of libertarian in a certain way. There is an element yeah. of, like, the right... You just need the right man at the top of the big corporation, and then things will be okay. Um, but there's also, like, a deep sense of collaboration and, like, between different parts, and, like, a sense of, like, um, there needs to be, like, open exchange and, like, you know, um, stuff like that. Um, which I think uh, it's weird that Tron Legacy opens with like that guy who was fought for this open system, like being in a closed system mm-hmm. by himself. Yeah. Um, which isn't, I don't know. There maybe is a way the movie deals with that in interesting ways. I'm curious about it. Um, but that was something I saw a friend pointed out to me and I thought about. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen the original Tron in probably, gosh, probably like five or six years. I think the last time I watched it was with my family like years ago. Yeah. Um, because I know my mom really likes that movie. Oh, like, I remember, I remember, like, around the time Legacy was coming out, I think she just saw a trailer for it on TV, and like, it was like, we have to see this in theaters. And I was like, what is Tron? I have no idea what this is. <laughs> she didn't, it, was like, it was like her thing. That's really cool. Like, what The Force Awakens was to a lot of us, like, the lead up to that movie was, like, what she felt for Tron Legacy, which was pretty funny. <laughs> Damn. That's great. Actually, honestly, that's head. a better exchange, I think. Yeah. You know, it's a better movie to have that relationship with. Yeah. Probably. I mean, J.J. Abrams didn't make it, so. Yeah, he did not. The guy who made Oblivion made it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that Tom Cruise movie, not the uh, Bethesda video game. <laughs> uh, Todd <laughs> Howard's Tron Legacy. <laughs> hmm. Mm. Oh, yeah, also, I bought Tron 2.0 on Steam today. <laughs> um what is that? I'm looking that up. I don't know what that is. It's like a monolith entertainment, so the Shadow of Mordor guys. What the hell? Um, like oh, first wow. person shooter from the early two thousands, yeah. What the heck? It's supposed to be rad. I've heard like good things about it. It's like a cult classic. Um This but... looks cool. This is it's like gorgeous. Yeah, it's really pretty. I'm I'm jazzed about it. I installed it today, so I'll I'll give it a look hopefully in the next few days. Yeah, this looks awesome. Um, I remember playing the Tron Legacy motorcycle racing light bike app like on my like iphone one oh, way back yeah when. damn no tron 2.0 uh, like, tie in <laughs> this game looks awesome yeah i'm i'm 
I mean, I just, I don't know. Like, the movie's weird because it, it clearly does not understand how computers no, work. No, not at all. Um, I think there's a character named Ram. There's, like, a program named Ram, which is, like, <laughs> one of the funniest things. Um, and, like, de-resolution, you know, as, like, being the programs being deleted is, like, so weird. Yeah. Um, but I think all that stuff is so charming, right? And I actually think the, like, the sort of way it communicates, like, how our computers, our worlds, like that we create virtually reflect the ones that we are outside mm-hmm. of is really interesting and cool. Um, that you have actors play multiple characters across the two different worlds. Yeah. Right. Is, um, I mean like very blunt, but like a, a neat visual thing. Right. And I think it does a lot um, of interesting stuff. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, I think it's bluntless. Like it's bluntness like does genuinely work for like what that story is doing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just weird because it so clearly, like, wants to be the next Star Wars, almost, <laughs> yeah. right? And it is not that in a big way. Like, it's not, um, like, I, I think it's, you can definitely follow that movie, but sometimes the movie doesn't help. I think the first, like, couple minutes are just genuinely bewildering and confusing <laughs> um, because it really throws you into it without sort of, you know one of my favorite parts is um so they cut from some scene in the computer i don't remember exactly what and it says meanwhile in the real <laughs> world and then it's jeff bridges typing in the computer and then like the next shot the computer you know the, inside the computer world again yeah. <laughs> so it's like you don't need to have you know it's very funny um made all the bother doing like a title card and then it's like oh we're back in the computer world again and you know jeff bridges is trying to code his way into the mainframe or whatever um but yeah and it's also just so like i don't know it's the way because it has to be so simple there's like just these very blunt like abstract images Mm -hmm. that i think are like really cool um yeah i'm like trying to i wish i had like because we watched on disney plus on the tv and i almost wish i had like pirated it or whatever so i could just screenshot like all this stuff you know um i think that would be like i don't know you could you could easily make a like big tumbler oh definitely it's just all shots from tron i wonder yeah. if there's an art book for it there's an art book for tron um legacy oh yeah there is one for a, the original um, tron it's 97 dollars on oh, cool, ebay yeah. oh boy that's a lot of money <laughs> um oh excuse me I know there's like a documentary on um, Disney Plus about the props that I've. That oh, that's I've cool. About so. I know about that. I'll check that out. Yeah. Oh, they think it's actually kind of the thing that looks the weirdest is the like costume yeah. stuff. Um, Very hard to be in. It's because like, it's all, it's all shot in black and white, and then they like computer color, everything. Um, I think, I'm not like hundred percent sure like what they were doing mm-hmm. you know but like all the people's faces are black and white in the computer world um and so and they're wearing clothes that are just white but then they have the colored you know um bends yeah. and stuff um yeah um so it's yeah i don't know but the thing is it almost has this is like a weird comparison but sometimes visually it feels a little bit like a um a silent movie where you have those like um like some silent movies you know they would dip the film in in mm-hmm. like a color so it'd be kind of a yellow tinge or like an orange tinge or a blue or whatever um and there's moments visually with the film yeah. reminiscent of that right um 
just yeah i don't know it's really cool and good i think there's yeah again like it's messy uh like the world building yeah, makes it's... no sense and the you know i was gonna say it's oh, go ahead sorry it's definitely um a smorgasbord approach to world building and that you just sort of there's a bunch of pieces yeah. and you can't really think about how they click together you just kind of have to like take them as they are and just go with it yeah for sure um i think it's maybe that's also something that's hard to do with legacies you have to try and like graph and make it make yeah, sense yeah like and you know? legacy if i recall correctly it's very like there's no abstraction in its sort of narrative and like it's world building it's very methodical in the like, in the way that a lot of modern blockbusters are yeah i think it's um I think that's true. I like, yeah, I get it. I should, I need to watch it, but I think that that checks out from my memory of it. Um, because yeah, it's just the, the stuff that happens in it feels a little <laughs> bit more literal. Um, and it's not so much like this, like metaphorical, like computer program stuff. Oh yeah. We should also talk about, cause the religious stuff in Tron is like so yeah. cool and interesting. The idea of like the, you know, programmers being gods that like the mm-hmm. programs worship <laughs> is like, a, such a brilliant narrative turn that like adds this really weird dimension to the show's <laughs> pol- I mean, the movie's politics. Um, but I think it's like really interesting and like, and it's also, I mean, it gets weird cause you could just do all sorts of weird crisis yeah. library bullshit because like Flynn is like the, you know, who gets sucked into the computer. Jeff Bridges character is like the, you know, programmer, mm-hmm. the God made flesh. Right. And he like, but it's done in this really like weird digital way. And I think that stuff is like, just very interesting and cool uh i think um and it's something that i don't know that i remember legacy not touching which is like really too mm-hmm. bad um Good. although there is some interesting stuff i think about creating and, and oh, making wow. something that outlives you and there was a uh, sorry i was just, I, there was a tron cartoon series on disney xd in two, between 2012 and 2013 yes yeah uprising. Tron uprising i think which actually i hear pretty good things about so i think uh i might do like a full like i'll play tron 2.0 and then watch legacy and then watch uprising, i mean that maybe. sounds like, like a, <laughs> the tagline is one one yeah, hero will only... reprogram the future yikes yeah um oh, the and uh cool yeah it's i I mean i think that's the thing is like because it's so stark and colorful and you have to sort of go simple in a way that like will make it look good you know um like uh, that's something like i've been watching rebels as well lately um, which is a show i generally really like and has some incredibly striking visual moments i think um like like late clone wars has some really great stuff um i think those shows just get better and Mm -hmm. better at like framing um as time goes on but um, but sometimes it also like looks <laughs> weird or like it looks sort of ill thought out right uh, because it's it sort of tries to cut the difference between the cartoony and sort of replicating like star wars stuff um in a way that i think sometimes like bites in the ass um and i feel like that's easier to avoid with something like tron where it's you you have to there's something starkly <laughs> abstract about it um yeah, like uh, I don't know, like that scene where when Finn when Flynn first gets thrown in the computer, there's like a two thousand one ish, you know, like, dr- you know, like dreamscape, like falling into this like virtual world. It's just so like beautiful and weird, and there's so much stuff in the movie that's like that just in the background or like weird shots that happen, right? Like it's, I don't know, like I just think visually it's such a fascinating thing and it's so unique still like even with stuff yeah no it still looks it. fantastic um 
Yeah. And I, I don't know. I wish, I wish we could have like the closest thing I could think of weirdly. And I'm sure there are other examples is like in terms of using CGI as like an abstraction or like artistic abstraction is Twin Peaks yeah. The Return. <laughs> Definitely. Which is not aesthetically no. similar. Right. But does sort of a um, similar thing with CGI being like a way, a means of like, um, I don't know. I'm trying to articulate this, but like abstractly communicating an idea or using imagery that you just can't have in real life, mm-hmm. right? That you could not film. Um, you know, and I, I mean that even not in the sense of like, oh, we can't go to this like big planet that doesn't exist, so we're going to make it in a computer. I mean, like in a, you know, like in a, this is image that not could yeah. not exist in nature, right? Even in theory. Oh gosh, I found an article called Game Theory colon The Philosophy of Tron damn game theory that's also one of the funnest and funniest things about tron is like all the weird proper nouns like um (laughs) when so flynn there's like a thing where there's a coliseum they call it the game grid yeah right this is where all the bad the programs the believe the programs who believe in the users get tossed um to die basically and flynn gets thrown in there but human two friends escape one of them is tron right who's a program um and when they escape, the, like, announcer is like, video game warriors <laughs> have escaped the game grid. <laughs> That's what happened. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and there's, like, a... Yeah. It's so... It's also, yeah. like, Twitter bot shit, it's right? Like or it's, tweet. like... Or, um... Yeah, it's... It's, like, a drill tweet. <laughs> it's so good. Um, I just think that stuff is so... So charming. Um, and I think it is, actually, there's a really interesting way you could read the movie through like gender um because like flynn is very much like a steve jobs type and he's like a rebellious and rambunctious like genius programmer you know um he's what uh, cameron cumbersman like lots would call the gaming scamp um as discussed in their episode about mm-hmm. uh masculinities in play i think is the book they talked about um which is yeah i think a really good episode of their show uh game study study buddies but i thought about that a lot watching this because it's very much it feels like very much in conversation with um that kind of like the image of tech yes in the early 80s right that continues in some way today um yeah i wonder i mean i haven't seen ages but i wonder if legacy reckons with like the tech present in in any way like any interesting way i guess yeah well the the very beginning of it is very like like corporate boardrooms and it feels like the end com is like very hmm, much okay, a stand yeah. for apple right or i don't really like again i don't really remember like how that plays out but it is like <laughs> in the movie in a big way i think um so yeah just the way that the way that ncom gets framed nowadays will like would change a lot i think yeah, especially definitely. in the age of like digital surveillance right um which is like kind of something that's happening in like the master control program is like i'm gonna go into the pentagon and like i'm gonna you know <laughs> um like start taking control of everything that humans do right and there's this anxiety about mm-hmm. like computers being separate from humans right be becoming their own thing but there's also an anxiety about like observation right about like being seen like i mean that's how flynn gets transported the game world is like you know he stands in the master control program, yeah. turns it on right and sucks him in and so there's this like um there's this thing yeah again this fear about like what if you know someone could digitally see me in a way that i am not aware of and then would do something mm-hmm. bad to me um or like blackmail me or destroy me you know 
um or the way like work because the whole thing is that flynn made these video games that then someone else yeah. in the company stole and so there's you know this anxiety too about like what is you know and the thing is the movie is very much like no like your imprint <laughs> your spirit right in this like spiritual sense is like inside the program right um, but there's also this anxiety about what does work mean? What does mm-hmm. someone's artistic work mean when you can just infinitely replicate it? Um, you know, anyway, it's yeah. Like, I don't know. It's a rich movie. It's got a lot going on and it's visually generally, I mean, there's like some shots that are goofy or whatever, but generally it's just visually astounding. Even yeah. Today, it's just, a I, I, that, it I, I really love how that movie holds up. And I think it's like almost like aged um, better in the sense that like, yeah, I think it, how it looks now says more than maybe it did when it came out, like beyond the spectacle of it. Right. Well, I think there's so much of it's. I mean, it's so it's such an interesting movie because it didn't do super well. No, it didn't. Um, and I feel like there's an element of like because the novelty of it is gone, mm-hmm. that it sort of lets the the more interesting elements of it get to shine. You know. Yeah. Um yeah it's yeah it's i don't know it's a movie i've had i like had a lot of affection for in abstract and i was like oh yeah let's just watch tron and then it's like i think just legitimately really great um so you know i mean you're violet Viviari, like i do think it's, <laughs> it's not like it's not like super emotionally engaging yeah. right <laughs> like you know i'm not really invested in any of these characters or really like you know uh get upset about them or you know whatever um it's not that kind of movie and that's fine for me mm-hmm. but like some people that's like what they really yeah. care about i'm like that's what's gonna vibe with them and that's fine mm-hmm. but, um yeah do you want to talk a little bit about what you've been watching uh, uh yeah sure um so earlier like last week uh my criterion blu-ray copy of the new martin scorsese shorts collection came in the mail and so far yeah I, i've only watched italian american which is something i've seen before and is might be my favorite scorsese movie even though technically it's only like 55 minutes so maybe it doesn't qualify for your <laughs> notion of a like a feature but yeah it is um him just in his parents apartment with a camera and a sound crew just asking his parents questions about like their heritage and their past and um it was it premiered at the new york film festival and he it was made with a grant from i forget what but it was like the whole point was like so he made these almost sort of like domestic ethnographies of like family and lineage. Yeah. And it's just so good in like the way it messes with documentary form in some ways. Like Scorsese is an agent in that movie and like in right. the frame and in an interesting way that doesn't feel exploitative. Like a lot of documentaries do where like the, um, the creator is like up front and center in the work yeah um, that's and like one of the only other few really filmmakers i think can like generally get away with that is like herzog because he narrates so much of his documentary work right but yeah. like and then scorsese's like, pa- oh, well, you go ahead i was just gonna say i've seen a clip from italian american uh where he's talking with his parents about his yeah. movies <laughs> right and like being like um talking about sort of like his his, his mom's yeah, a she, bunch of yeah. them and like her experience on set and like different st- and there's sort of a a um i don't know exactly how to describe it but it's so warm and like um almost casual in the way he's talking about mm-hmm. his own work right that i think lends to what you're talking about right that it doesn't feel um exploitative of them or of him yeah right. and like it's very sort of rambunctious and like 
the way a lot of Scorsese films are like narrative. I guess you can't even call them threads, just sort of conversations like any normal conversation does sort of flow and end abruptly. And thoughts come yeah. back. Thoughts are like people come back to their thoughts later on when the topic is already passed on and sort of to refine, like refine it in like the conversation. But, um, right. Yeah. There's some just like very standout moments. Like there's a, there's a scene where his mom, Scorsese's mother tells a little story about a fig tree she had as a kid. And she's like, she's very much like what you expect, like quote unquote, like generic, like Italian, old Italian mom to be like, she's very, personable and very energetic and like she always has something to say in a very like funny way but so that she tells a story about a fig tree and she's her whole demeanor sort of sort of interior like she sort of like folds in a little bit interiorizes and like you can tell the story means so much to her and like the story itself is very good it's about how her dad had this fig tree and it always grow figs and her mom hated it and then one 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 winter (laughs) her mom was like i I hate this fig tree. I hope it never um, sprouts any figs again. And then later that winter, she passed away. And then the fig, that fig tree never had, never like sprouted again. Oh my God. Wow. That's wild. And it's just like one of those little like um, moments that like, and like the conversation before that was very casual. And it, just, it sort of shows how like the dynamic of conversation right. flow is so like porous and can sort of find like immense emotion, yeah. like the most mundane of things. Right. Well, I feel like the the intimacy of mm-hmm. the crew, right, just being like in this apartment is like really, you know, yeah. lends itself to that. And then like, I guess on the topic of it, like messing with documentary forms a bit is right when she finishes telling that story, it it, it hard cuts to a freeze frame in black and white of her mo- of his mom's face in like a portrait. So it's almost like you expect it to be like in memoriam of Scorsese's mother, like the sort of like joke. And then like two seconds oh, later, right, just cuts yeah. back to the documentary which is very funny <laughs> yeah right yeah that's but it's just and like it uses um like old footage and old pictures and in interesting ways as like the parents tell these stories it'll cut to like pictures of course it's like scorsese's mom's mom and stuff like that and then there's some great shots where the dad and the mom would be talking about how the neighborhood used to be and um how it is now and it, it'll cut to uh, camera of like just sort of flowing through that early 70s which neighborhood they're in with like it's like it's like a like 16 millimeter camera yeah and then there's also a, there's a really good moment where they're talking about how the neighborhood used to be irish and scorsese's dad is talking about how there was a bar in every on every corner and whatnot and then scorsese's mom kind of gets up flustered to go to the kitchen to check on meatballs because the whole time she's making meatballs and like the last 10 minutes or so is them <laughs> eating and talking yeah but she yeah, goes yeah, she yeah. goes and like checks on the meatballs and the score says he's like talking to her and she's like, I don't like any dad does that. And he, and she's like, does what? And it's like, he's like, he, she, says he's really trying to get his mom to like confront um, her husband's like just inherent bigotry and like, yeah. Like being like making like the joke of like, Oh, Irish, like all Irish people are defined by like the, like how much they drink or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, like a lot of the most interesting parts of that movie is where when Scorsese asks a question and his parents will answer it and then he'll keep pushing them to actually answer it. Like you can tell there's some yeah. stuff that like the dad doesn't feel comfortable talking about because maybe he was raised a certain way to not like sort of unwrap these emotions around other people. And um, 
stuff like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's so simple, but it like it's so powerful and it sort of like cements the idea that I think I'm more interested. I love Scorsese, but I'm more interested in his work as a documentarian than a um, fiction director. Yeah, well, I think that sort of um, that kind of simplicity can be really powerful because I I think like. Um, I mean, not to, well, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to pontificate about <laughs> cinema. <laughs> um, but I think like, you know, all you need to make a movie is like a mm-hmm. camera and cuts, right? Like you sort of, um, like even voice yeah. is not necessary, right? Even though it can't, you know, it can like contribute a lot, which just sounds like it does in this movie. Um, but I think that like that starkness can lend itself. You, you notice sort of the construction of it in a real way. And that lends itself to like seeing the form right and seeing like where the seams fit together um and that's like really beautiful right like it's very beautiful to see something the way something is constructed and how it is made um and i think there's a lot of uh and there's something like i mean go go back to tron there's something tron i think is really interested in right is like Mm -hmm. labor and like who creates right and it's something that is obscured in a lot of modern movie making right especially in like marvel stuff where it's like you you want to associate the movie with a brand, right? With sort of like yeah, individuals. Or cinema as, it's it. like cinema as made by committee. Yes. And like, um, you know, and so even the sense of like Martin Scorsese being in the room, but also like the camera is another person and someone is holding that camera, right? And someone's <laughs> holding the boom mic, right? The sensation of like being intimately in a space where yeah, you're seeing and, the construction. And, and the, the parents, camera. the parents react to the boom mic holder and the cameraman and yeah. Uh, the like the like the lighting setups are like like around the apartment right and, and stuff I think... in like very interesting ways like and it's like it almost it doesn't feel like a movie made by a committee it almost feel, it feels like a movie movie made by like a community yeah and i feel like that's a that's a that's a distinction that i think is important right because like movies um are always made by lots of people right even yeah. really simple projects um require like that hands of multiple people to get you know get them two people or even just like you know having a having furniture right somebody made that chair or whatever right mm-hmm. like there's always other hands um but i think that could feel when you see that in a way that like articulates that it could be really beautiful yeah. it's actually and weirdly like... sounds like i don't want to like go into um but i watched the my neighbor my neighbors the yamadas which is a takahata mm-hmm. Ghibli movie and this actually sounds kind of interestingly in conversation oh cool <laughs> with this because it's also sort of like keenly observed depictions of family life right yeah and as well as this because it's it's actually cgi but it looks very hand-drawn and there's a sensation of um like it's actually it's there's some really cool stuff because there's a couple parts where the animation style suddenly gets more realistic <laughs> um in a really like deliberate way it's very interesting and cool um but it's very sort of cartoony and exaggerated you get the sense of like personality of, like the tapestry of life and stuff um but it's also i think doesn't have those tensions that um this sounds like it does because the family sort of this um almost platonic ideal mm-hmm. of like the japanese family unit um and so you don't see that there's not moments where like you know something is too personal for someone to share or there's tensions between the different members of the group it's yeah. not like played for comedy or not like cutesy right um and that's not necessarily a problem with the movie like i i think but it is um it is interesting um i think i don't know i'll have to i should watch i watch pompoko and the tale of princess kaguya <laughs> but i think there's a element of takahata's work that feels like a little um conservative or at least like very sort of invested in like the in the like, like traditional 
lifestyles. Yeah, traditional family unit. Um, like even fireflies, I think. But also like both from yesterday and fireflies are very like oh but that doesn't always work out like it's not always good (laughs) right um in a way that yamada's because of it's based on like a comic strip and like because of the way it's formed is like very sort of joyful and like gleeful about Mm -hmm. it in a way that's i think tremendously resonant and powerful but also feels like has an underlying sort of conservatism yeah um so it sounds yeah i just think there's that sounds like a weirdly compelling double (laughs) to me (laughs) yeah and like what i also really love about italian american is that it very much is a movie that feels like cinema is all about like time passes in all cinema and like, but editing sort of fractures time and reality, but yeah, the way sort of these oral stories in Italian American and the way it's sort of loosely edited works it, you feel that expansive nature of like time passing just through the way it's shot and the way it's, they just like these stories have years and years of weight and like lineage to them, like everything. Yeah. feels like time passing and then time that's gone and time will never get back like it's a very in a right. weird way it's a very um somber sort of uh work like yeah, it's it's very like really warm and fun like like scorsese's parents are like genuine like capital c characters like they're very like funny but also like yeah some of their stories and like sort of the way this sort of these conversations sort of like flow from funny to sort of more like like oh maybe Scorsese asking these questions is getting the parents to finally and maybe sort of start to unpack some of these like emotions they haven't really delved into like yeah tra- like various like, traumas even, and just I mean, stuff just, like that yeah well I think that's really interesting because the camera as like a an act of provocation right the act of being <laughs> observed as like a I mean it's something that I think uh dia lucina's written very compellingly about in her like photography stuff in video games where it's like she's really interested in games where the photo mode has to be like like people will react to the presence of the camera mm-hmm. right or or the cam or like the gamer won't stop for yeah. you to take a photo right where you could sort of cheat the system in like Sekiro or dark souls where you get a telescope and you know but you can't uh you can't expect people not to attack mm-hmm. you and stuff um and that's just the way the real world is, right? And so I think there's a there's a lot of cinema that I think is very interesting, in like immediacy and in making the camera sort of disappear, making it feel yeah, like no, this, God, yeah, right? Italian American just like fundamentally pushes back at that every chance against because even yeah, the camera sort of it's always a subject as much as like the stories they're telling are because their eye like the parents, Scorsese's parents' eyes or Scorsese himself their eyes will always flick to the, like sort of flick to the camera because they're not like cinema trained and. Like, so, like, there's a, a right, running yeah. joke throughout it that, like, Scorsese's dad keeps sort of um, jibing his wife about how she's all, she's putting on for the camera. Like, she's, like, he's, and he's, like, he's, like, talk, he's, like, he's, like, talk, <laughs> talk to the camera how you talk to me. And, like, he says it all the time. And and she sort of, yeah, uh, like, never missed the fact and, like, just, dis- like, disagrees with them on it. And she's, like, <laughs> and, and he's, like, talk to me. How you all, how you always talk to me, and she, and she, she retorts like, "Oh, so you just want to fight on camera?" And there's just like a lot of good stuff. <laughs> that's uh... yeah, that's really and then cool. the best part, the, the credits, yeah, um, the big... credits. Oh, go ahead, sorry. It's like a small crew, so there's some credits, but then like the last like thirty seconds of the scroll is uh, Scorsese's mom's meatball recipe. No, oh, that's and it's great. Like, and it's not like that's fantastic. A very direct sort of numbers and whatnot recipe it's like definitely feels like 
he just wrote down uh, what she was telling him. Right. Uh, as she was telling him how to make it. Like, it's like, put yeah, a little bit really of cheese cool. in, you watch it for a bit, and, like, it's very... Um, yeah. Um, that's great. I, that reminds me of... This is not really the same thing, but on the Queen album Jazz, um, they recorded a lightning mm-hmm. bolt. Um, like a thunderstrike, right? And so the... Um, in the album credits on that song that they have yeah. and it's God. Um, this is God. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but just sort of that recognition of like nature or sort of the things around you happening, right? That like the meatballs are like an intrinsic part of like what makes that yeah, like what it is. It's the meat like really the meatballs are always they're not in the living room, they're in the kitchen, but they're always there. Like someone's always worried about them and you get to the point where you're thinking like yeah. you're like, why hasn't she checked them? It's been doesn't she go check them? <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah the, and like i guess on the criterion yeah. bit um the supplements are great so i think it's a conversation with the sappy brothers and um what's the director's name who made hereditary and ari and ari Aster about uh italian american specifically but oh, okay, the other yeah. works on there i'm gonna delve into them probably after this they all seem great like it's some of his student work which i'm really fascinated yeah. by as a recently graduated film student and then some of his other right. documentary work and some like some of the short films that led to his features but oh, what was I, I was gonna yeah, say something about it. Great. Oh, it's on like the Criterion transfer of it. It's like it's go- it looks great. But it's also it's on YouTube in like good quality if anyone wants to check it out. It's like the first you just type in Italian American. Oh, okay, yeah. It's one word. Yeah, maybe we should just check. Forty seven minutes. It just shows up. Um. Yeah. Great. Um, yeah. Oh, sure. That sounds like a good place to wrap up to me. Um. Yeah, I guess we can also shout out speaking Criterion that like there's a bunch of uh, yeah, it's a bunch of black cinemas. It's free. It's not. It's, yeah. they, it's not on the behind their paywall right now. Which and so, so much of it is worth seeing. Yeah, um, so I should take advantage of that for sure. Um, but folks, yeah, that's something to know. You know. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Well, uh, this was really great. I uh, I really like talking with you about movies. Hopefully, we'll you know have movies to talk about. I always. I have trouble watching movies. Maybe we'll talk about this off mic, but yeah. I, to, I want to get better about watching movies. Yeah, maybe not to enjoy it. To whoever is listening to this, this isn't saying we're going to do this, but maybe we could have certain episodes dedicated, like where we say we're going to watch a movie. Yeah, like, you know how that no, goes. No, I would. I would like to. I mean, yeah, this is something we've talked about a little bit uh, as we've been planning for the show, but I would like to do stuff where we talk about something we're both familiar with. Yeah, like one. Um, I think it'd be very fun to dive into one work for a long time yeah yeah i think it would be good so well, yeah we'll 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 keep you posted yeah about that um uh, dear listen um we have an email yeah do you know what the email is because i don't remember <laughs> uh, it's long i'm looking at it. okay it's a. Uh, if you want to send us questions which i guess from here on out we can just say that maybe the last 10 or so minutes of the show could be dedicated to a question yeah. segment and then i think we'll you know we'll we'll bomb cast it quote unquote we'll do a yeah, I'll like what if you've been playing segment and then do a question segment? I think that'll be yeah. really great. I think fun. the loose structure of the show definitely works, but I think having a segment area for yes. the questions will, will be good. But the yeah. email, if you have questions about anything media related, film, books, movies, games, whatever, food, it doesn't matter. Um, just send them yeah. to us at questions for idle talk at gmail.com. That's all one word questions for idle talk at gmail.com. And we'll choose some and we'll talk about them. We'll answer them. Yeah. As best we can. For sure. Yes. Um, yeah. And uh, we'll just do our plugs now. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Cole, where could people find you on the internet? Or people can anything? find me on Twitter at ColeHenry19. All one sort of, you know, no spaces, no whatever. Uh, and then besides, I do some freelance writing here and there. You can, If you follow me on Twitter, you'll see my work. I don't really have a place where I live beyond Muckrack if you want to. Go to my muckrack profile, which you could, but like that's whatever. Like I don't think you should do <laughs> uh, that. <laughs> well, yeah, and you also you have a medium blog, and you've been doing some stuff on that. Like, yeah, I'm really committing uh, to the medium blog. It's it's been fun yeah. writing. Um, it's always fun getting paid to write, but writing for yourself is also a very good thing to do. Yes, um, I that's agree. where the, that's yeah. where the pitches go that no one else will take. Yeah, if you're interested, Cole actually wrote a piece about Mafia Three and the glitches we were talking about earlier. That's on yeah, the, I, I was gonna medium. I was gonna mention it, but it felt it always feels weird being like, go read my thing. Yeah, well, while, you, while you're listening to my too, thing, go so. read my thing. It's good. It's I, <laughs> I, I can endorse it if you feel comfortable endorsing it. I can be like, hey, it's good. Cole's a good writer. You should read it. Um, yeah, we well, can you can find me on Twitter at uh, Grace underscore Machine. Um, and find things that I write at graceinthemachine.com as well as sometimes on the internet. Um, yeah, what else? Uh, I think that's it. I guess, you know, if you want to hear me talk about movies full-time, there's another show that I do with my partner, Emma, called Seasons on the Admiral Mapping Network where we talk about movies. Um, we did an episode about Modern Times was the last thing we yeah. did, and that movie's real good. I hope so. that, I, if that podcast also gets the Cole endorsement. It's good. You should yes. listen to it. Okay, thank you. Especially the Wind Rides. The Wind Rises <laughs> episode is fantastic. Oh, thank you. I yeah, I appreciate that a lot. Um, that's a good movie. Um, yeah, I'm very curious. I guess also shout outs to the um, and then an aeroplane, the Ghibli, uh, Admiral Mapping rewatch podcast done by M and Autumn. Mm-hmm. Um, those episodes, the episodes me and Emma have done about Ghibli movies, and the episodes they've done about uh, the same Ghibli movies have been really interesting uh, companion pieces to each other. So I'm very curious about what that Wind Rises <laughs> episode is going to look yeah. like. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd like shout outs to that. It's good stuff. Um, yeah, well, I think we'll uh, catch you on the next side. Please send us your questions. Yeah, uh, so the Admiral Mapping, so they Admiral host Mapping. us. We're only they here because of them to some degree. They uh, host us. You can find them at abnormalmapping.com <laughs> and check out their multitude of shows there. And then also um, support them on Patreon at patreon.com slash abnormalmapping. Um, they do like letters and there's a $10 tier podcast. This is like kind of like this show. It's kind of bullshitting um, that is very good. Let me guess, fate of the undead.